Frankie Mendez. Wasn't that the actor? I don't know. Probably. Malcolm in the middle? M- Muniz. Muniz. Frankie Muniz. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Fairweather Friends. Uh, this is episode two of our podcast about, by, and for friends. And uh, our featured friend this week, who we'll be taking time to connect with, is uh, you might remember from such um, Fairweather Friends episodes as one uh, <laughs> or the, uh, the last one, the only other one. Uh, please welcome back, John Lloyd. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> very uh, i'm uh I'm i mean it's really disappointing excited. disappointing to the listener because i mean it's really painting a one-dimensional view of your social life uh and so <laughs> it's maybe both of our social lives hello friend hello so, other friend well that's we can it. just rename it fairweather friend but yeah the, the plurality is the problem <laughs> or i can start making episodes. we can start making up some friends with like you know puppet homemade puppets we can do voices I was just doing my father-in-law's voice a moment ago. I could play a character on here. Well, I think it's problematic, and I don't think that my father-in-law's voice is one you want me doing. Probably I not. Can pretend, I can probably pretend not. if you want. Um, as you may remember from the last episode, uh, each time we'll be having uh, a friend join us, and then uh, more often than not, John will be joining us for the featured music segment, which we will be jumping into 1992 so something that actually came out right around the the time of our budding adolescence as uh, so it's kind of kind of mm-hmm. snl-y here like you're the co-host and musical guest like <laughs> john better S- lloyd <clears throat> better snl-y than snme i guess in this yeah. <laughs> right. it's a family-friendly fucking podcast exactly um so uh so check in how how are you doing today i'm good yeah uh, yeah there's sun right now oh Seattle. wow that's always you know the two times i've been out there they've been lovely sunny days yeah, yeah you came during the summer summers yeah. are absolutely gorgeous out here the sun is up at like 5 30 in the morning it's bright and it's dark it doesn't get dark till 10 at night oh, nice. 10 30 so and it's sunny all day long and 74 degrees. Um, but the winter, it's a whole other thing. Our sun comes up around eight, goes mm. down around 430. Yeah. It's been cloudy for the eight hours that we had sunlight. It was cloudy and misty out. So today to have a sunny day is a, it's a pretty nice, I feel like I'm in San Diego, Andy. Yeah. That's, you know, it's starting to get more San Diego E here. I, I, I think last week I talked about the the gloomy weather and I mm-hmm. like feel bad for my nephew who was visiting over the holidays uh, lives in Portland. So mm-hmm. uh, he was like, yeah, I just need to, you know, I figure I need to get out there to get some sun, mm-hmm. you know, hang out. And it was cold and rainy. The cold whole and rainy. Time. So I'm like, sorry, man, we can, we can watch some good shows though inside. <laughs> and shoot again for, you know, February maybe. <laughs> Yeah, or literally any other time after after January, it's any it's good. Time. 
this morning, I'm a 45 year old man. And this morning, I'm like, you know what I want for breakfast is huevos con weenie. <laughs> 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 and I, my kids hate that shit. They don't want it. Like, that's oh, they're missing they out, man. They are. It was the best. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, you know, great. it's kind of funny that you mentioned that, uh, because I, uh, I did my weekly grocery trip to, um, to Trader Joe's mm -hmm. and bought a pack of hot dogs, uh, specifically for that reason. Oh, I'm so proud of you right now, Andy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I am so proud of you to say that. That's of amazing. course, you know, like Trader Joe's that, uh, you know, everything's pretentious there. So that the, the like the most non-pretentious hot dog brand they had was like Hebrew National, so <laughs> yeah. So it's still like you know, it counts for a Webel like, Queen. Nice. They don't have Peyton's there. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, ours ours is an all beef. Uh, it's an organic one. I, we get it at a local co-op that we shop at. Uh, <laughs> tastes just as good as Oscar Mayer. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> Mix it with eggs. Holy shit. Oh uh, yeah, we're we're so we're so El Paso with our <laughs> food co-ops and our Trader Joe's and I know, I know. <laughs> I can't wait to move back to El Paso to go to the co <laughs> I think there's a co-op. Oh my god, I think there's a co-op in Las Cruces. Yeah. Um Farmers so yeah, market. I guess that would be I guess that would be the co-op to go to. Um what's it bums me out to speak to that for just a second. It legitimately bums me out that my kids do not get my whole shtick like the whole <laughs> fucking foundation on which my messy silly shit is all rooted in the El Paso-ness of me man my kids do not get it I think they find me mildly entertaining but I can't get them to relate I think that's the problem and no matter how many times we've taken them to El Paso they always say yeah I loved it but they don't get it they're just seeing a dirty desert where water evaporates off the sidewalk in seconds that's their that's their memory of El Paso. Yeah, isn't it weird that you dump water on the ground on the sidewalk and it's <laughs> it's evaporated? You see it evaporating. It's, it's a visual. There's visual display in front of you with the waves of heat emanating from the concrete. It's gone in seconds. It blew their minds. Um, that's their extent of understanding of that town. And you know, eh, whatever, it's fine. That's what generations do, right? We all, each one's different than the last. Well, I was going to say is that, I, I don't know, I think just our generation and previous generations, like we weren't supposed to, we weren't supposed to really like connect with our parents in the way that we become buds or anything. I think that's, that's more of a, that's more of a, a new thing, but I mean, yeah. I, I guess I, yeah. I have colleagues and friends and whatever that are, that are like best buds with their parents. Like, Oh, I text my mom or my dad all the mm -hmm. time. And whatever um i i just never had that relationship uh, with them i did not have that with my parents at all mm -hmm. i could not wait to get out of it and sort of split myself from that um, i work really hard to maintain that kind of relationship with my kids now and it's been working sure um uh, mouse uh, for the listener mouse is my wife's nickname uh internally don't call her that i'm not telling you what her real name is <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. you don't get that information people um <laughs> mouse uh has such a tight-knit relationship with her entire family it's lovely to see it happen and it's lovely to be sort of brought into that um orbit 
around their central players in that family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have that with mine. And I, my sister, Leah, is that for me. But that, we didn't have that with our parents. And um, it's nice to see it happen. And I hope to foster it with my kids. But, you know, they don't get the El Paso-ness in me. So there's, there's, a, there's natural barriers of understanding. Uh, they just think I'm sort of goofy. If they grew up in, you know, if they grew up on the border, I think they would understand why dad's so weird relative to their friends' dads. Well, and yeah, I I agree with that. Um, but you know, what's interesting is that when I when I uh, moved back there, um, I lived on the you know I lived on the west side of town, the complete opposite, mm-hmm. and and so a lot of the people that I became friends with and um you know, that I networked in were a lot of them were from El Paso. They still lived in El Paso, but they, they lived, they grew up on that side of town. So they went to yeah. Franklin and Coronado. And so their, their experiences was different than, <laughs> than ours. Yeah. And that's not to say, so that's those a good of point. you, that's that, a good well, point. El Pasoans that listen will probably remember, but for those of you non El Pasoans, uh, there, there was a very, uh, like most large cities do, there is a, you know, an, an our side and a their side kind of thing. And this side, oh, they're so, they're so rich and snobby and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, only to find a... out later that your side was also seen as rich and snobby by those. Yeah, the Lower that... Valley. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, and then there's the Northeast. Well, <laughs> right. I, it's a thing. Well, it's too regionally specific for this podcast, maybe, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, El Paso, El Paso specific information is, uh, it's an inexhaustible joy for those in the know and completely nonsense for those that aren't. Yes. We, uh, San Diego, we're very, um, like there's, there's that with like North County versus the rest of the city or above mm-hmm. the eight, below the eight. Okay. East County also has another implied connotations a lot of times more more uh, sinister in nature mm-hmm. <laughs> to say that you see i has got that the north end and mm-hmm. the south end of town the sort of east of i-5 corridor particularly mm-hmm. um near downtown where it's very um it's not just it's like ultra gentrified now uh it was a very cool neighborhood at one point um and then the east side of the metroplex uh, on the other side of Lake Washington has another, um, I guess, connotation is they wouldn't like to hear that it's a, referred to as a connotation. Those from the east side. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you say, yeah, they're from the east side. People in Seattle go, hmm, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> they know. <laughs> they know what you mean. Well, you know, we both lived in Austin for for a minute or two. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's really... Um... It's like a mind boggling. Yeah. Just how from where, what it, it used is. to be. Yeah. Just like, uh, you know, the East Austin area. And, yeah. uh, I mean, that's remember when I got mugged. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I remember when you, yeah, you lived over there and I got beat up for reading that black metal magazine out in front of the nation of Islam. Yeah. Building. It was one of my dumber moments. Yeah. Man. I mean, you know, don't. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's all, that's all gone. And, uh, oh, like most gentrification cases, I mean, pretty, heard some pretty shitty stories about how, how people were 
displaced and whatnot yeah. and business owners. And I mean, you know, that's, yeah. that's not the point of, of our podcast, but um, you know, it's still an experience. It is. Yeah. Austin has, yeah. Austin is, is completely unfamiliar to me now. Um, I didn't live there as long as you did, but um, it is wildly different from what it was in the nineties, mm-hmm. early two thousands. How are, uh, are housing costs still astronomical up there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's America and fucking 2020s. Everything's expensive and it's getting more and more expensive. And there's people living like in all major cities and giant encampments under bridges and in parks. And they're not finding any place to live. And every time they try to fix something, the, the NIMBYs, the not in my backyard people, Mm-hmm. Um, get loud, and then local and statewide politicians say, "Oh, we don't want those voters mad. We don't mind that the the voters that are living outside are angry. Mm-hmm. We mind that the people that own property are angry." Right. Uh, it's. I mean, it's it's that's the American psychosis. The the property ownership, the dream of property ownership, the dream of now it's it's morphed now to the housed those that are housed versus those that are not housed, that mm-hmm. it's all tied to property and the idea that um, if, I guess now, at least if you're housed, you have a more weighted opinion than those that don't contribute to society the way um, some people want. And it's, uh, it's gross. Well, and that's very, very similar to, you know, back when only property owners could vote and shit yeah. like that yeah, yeah. and even just this is actually one of my uh gtfoh points but uh you know the whole the free the free uh covid tests yeah um you know yeah. great if you have an address totally <laughs> yeah thanks <laughs> what a lot about, what if you don't <laughs> uh, you can get free masks now too from where yeah. <sighs> great i have to i have to go on a website not everybody is uh, there's people that need tests and masks that are not um, technologically proficient. Well, um, um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just went online and ordered them for my parents. Cause I'm like, you know, if, yeah. if nobody's done it yet, I'll just, I'll just do it. Um, because the other thing too, that people were finding out is that if you, so there's a field, obviously first name, last name address, and then there's a separate field for apartment suite, whatever. Mm-hmm if people lived at the same street address, but different apartments, it only worked for the first person to enter that. So if I lived at, you know, 1000 main street, apartment a, I got it. But if I went a thousand main street, apartment B, it said, Oh, we've already shipped to this address. So what people are having to do is it's a simple fix. You just put the, mm-hmm. the suite in the first address line and then it works fine. But again, it's, it's not intuitive though. Right. And then also some, believe it or not, some families have more than, than four people, you yeah. know, living, living together under, yeah. under one roof. I mean, that's what do you, what do you do there? You know, well, yeah. Johnny, you got to go to college. So Susie, you get the COVID test. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I just, uh, modern the modern landscape is uh, really 
frightening. So many people are um, written off that it's okay to write them off, that it's okay. Like we all make mistakes, right? We, that clearly there's some gaps in this process and the federal government can fix that. But it's easier to fix when there also isn't a peanut gallery immediately decrying everything um, that is trying to be done, that they're trying to do to solve an incredibly complex problem, mm-hmm. a series of incredibly complex problems. Um, nobody wants to, yeah, nobody complexity. wants to fucking help with this by just sitting back and cooperating. Let's all just be neighbors. Let's be fucking partners in this. We're all Americans. They're all mm-hmm. living here and all of our futures are tied together. But there's a real that, that rift in the American psyche right now that's prohibiting that from happening. And I think it's from both sides, but I'm I'm fiercely liberal, so I'm going to want to blame Republicans. And that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the same scared mammal that we are. They're responding to the same fears that I'm or the same stimulus that I'm responding to. And it's the same emotion. It's fear and, and, mm. and anxiety, but it's the way they handle that is so <sighs> malignant in my, in our view and as a couple of fucking liberals. It's so malignant in our view that I don't know how here's another certified John Lloyd rant. I don't even mean to do it. And I start on it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I'm Pump not, I don't break. mean to diminish that. And, you know, I'm not trying to, discourage in any way no no no. yeah i didn't i I appreciate them yeah i i know you do you've been you've fucking known me for like 35 years (laughs) um (laughs) i'm sure you can tolerate the fucking splatter shot stream of consciousness shit that comes out of my mouth (laughs) um anyway i don't know I, i don't know how to fix i don't know how to fix any of this uh the the best solution that i in my limited capacity decided I can do is to literally smile and say good morning to strangers as I pass them and see them. And I don't, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a religious person. I don't have any spiritual beliefs. uh, I don't even know that I understand the word metaphysics, but I'll say, I don't know. I think it fucking helps society. I think it just helps society for other human beings to feel like they're recognized as human beings, whether, and I don't need to know whether or not that old man that I said good morning to, um, would, <laughs> I think I said something last week that was particularly harsh. I said that I was scared that somebody would stab the Mexican out of my family. Um, yeah. The Mexican ness out of your family. Yeah. That's what, yeah, kids something like that. specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, um, that's a genuine concern in modern America when you see a certain demographic. And um, I don't think I want to, I don't, I'm going to elect to not jump to that conclusion. And I'm going to elect, I'm going to choose to, to look at another human being in the eye and say, good morning, how are you? And just let it end at that. Because I think any seeds that we plant, if we want to be good fucking liberals and we want to watch out for Republicans, regardless of whether they want us dead or not, then put, our money where our mouth is. And, and I think we need to start putting something akin to an olive branch out there, something akin to a band aid. And I don't have to like 
how that I have, I'm, I'm not going to get very specific. There is somebody um, that I've interacted with recently um, that is really, it's not somebody that nothing about them would make me want to reach across an aisle and try to be buddies with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing. In fact, um, yeah, I have some really intense feelings about that person and yet I'm doing it. I wave and I say, good morning. And I smile and that person is uncomfortable with it, but plays along. And I've determined that if I put aside my, uh, a mutual friend of ours commented recently on a propensity that I have to hate everyone and everything until they've proven that they don't deserve it. Oh yes. I saw that. I saw that right? comment. Yeah. So, uh, our friend is right. It's I'm not proud of it, but it is kind of who I am. It's kind of in my fucking, uh, foundational wiring. And I think if we can, um, if I can get past that, and put out little seeds of humanity. Uh, somehow I'm deluding myself into believing that that's going to help wherever this, I don't want to call it a failed state, but things are not looking good around here these days. So let's try what we can as human beings to, I don't know, put up some fucking sandbags and keep that flood back. Cause yeah. we could use some more time, right? At least we need more time. I think we could all agree that we need more time before the United States falls apart. Let's try to fix it if we can. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, it, it as much as we want to say like it's it, what we're doing is not working. You know, nobody yeah. nobody's flipping. I mean, what they're what they're doing. I mean, it's like no one. You know, think of your most conservativeist of uh, of acquaintances or family or friends or whatever. Uh, you know, you going on and on about not you specific yeah. but the conceptual the, you right going on and on about this is just i mean they're, they're done like they've already they've made their decision and they yeah. they're not viewing things with the same um urgency or the or even through the same lens no yeah I mean, different, you know, we're, different realities for sure. you mentioned something about you know you don't know how to fix it and it's like we're not even we're not even trying to fix it we're just trying to keep things from getting worse it's like yeah we're trying to coexist it's like we're not we're not trying to <laughs> we're not trying. To, I mean, yes, we are trying to make things you know like better voter access, but we're trying to make sure that people that can't vote or have trouble voting can. Yeah, and that's not the lens that they're saying. It's not a. It's not even a to, to the opponents of that. It's not a pro. Well, only only we should vote. You know, like right. like in Mitch McConnell's African Americans vote at the same rate that. Americans do, and it's like uh, it's like that, you know, saying the quiet part out loud. I mean that yeah. that, but that's the problem. That's the thinking yeah. is that's it's the us versus them mentality, and it's not even that people are saying, "Oh, I think only we should vote." It's just like, why are you making such a big stink about yeah. saying you can't vote? You you can totally vote. You're just you are yeah. not. Why why isn't your perspective my perspective? Because I don't have a problem with it. Right. Therefore, why do you? Yeah. My yeah. black friend from church says they don't have a problem voting. <laughs> I asked the one person that I chose to talk to. Right. Uh, yeah. 
Do you have any other uh, GTFOH? I guess that was that was kind of a big <laughs> just, one for both I of us. I just gave a GTFO to the whole fucking human race. So <laughs> right. there you go. That's my GTFO for the fucking rest of my life, I think. Well, I'll just I'll end with uh, I'll end mine with one other one that's a little more lighthearted. I, I get uh, as a member of the uh, Wiener Schnitzel Wiener Lovers Club. Mm. Um, yep. I get their uh, I get their emails and. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know what their hold on, hold on. Voice I don't want to like. stop your story. I don't want to stop your story. I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. Um, <laughs> you're a 45 year old man. You're 46 <laughs> now, aren't you? Almost. And you elected you elected to get promotional information from Wiener Schnitzel sent to you. I am both surprised and also super proud of you because I too love Wiener Schnitzel very much. I just don't want to hear from them. I want it on my terms. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised and also impressed. That's my summary of that. Good for you. Well, um, I don't, well, that, I don't know. This news may, may excite you. I don't know. Um, Do, tell me, but, uh, so I, I'm, I get the marketing emails because I think, I think on your birthday, you get a free chili dog or something like that. Oh, I did not uh, know that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's sign up for the wiener lovers club. Um, and then you know, like you got the the antenna topper back when they were still when when cars still had antennas. <laughs> uh, that oh. you know that you could but anyway, so today they're they're always throwing out new products and they're trying to, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, like bougie up their menu a little bit with a little more artisanal hot dogs. Mm-hmm. And so now they've gone full uh they have a vegetarian based frank now so you can get any of their signature dogs with the a veggie frank and i'm just you know wiener schnitzel i think is having a problem staying in their lane like we know we know what wiener schnitzel is yeah i was just going to say that (laughs) and it's not uh it's not an end up you know where you end up kind of a place like jack in the box where it's like all right fine yeah i guess we got to eat you know eating this is better than not eating food right i agree and it's like uh, yeah, it would be helpful if they had a vegetarian option. Look, you you know you want Wiener Schnitzel. So yeah. you have a pretty good idea of what you want to get there. I don't think uh, there is a vegetarian out there that is thinking, oh man, I love Wiener Schnitzel, but the one thing I eat about me eating the one thing I miss about me eating eating meat, ha ah, um yeah. is that, you know, damn it, I miss my Wiener Schnitzel. I didn't yeah. have one tell me yeah. they missed Arby's. That which is interesting. That's surprising. But, yeah, that was the um, other one I was going to say. That Wiener Schnitzel and Arby's are the two chains out there, and and <laughs> for those that that don't know Andy and I well, um, fast food is a oh crucial piece of all of it. Yes, I love. Many I love drive eating through. garbage. I love eating garbage very much. Um, Wiener Schnitzel and Arby's were always at the bottom of the list in my mind of what fast food can do. And Arby's I've never got into, but Wienerschnitzel was really impressive to me because it's pretty bad food. And it's so, it brings me so much joy. That's not something that, it's got such a unique tone to it Mm -hmm. that I don't know a vegetarian out there that would ever say, that's the thing I want. I completely agree with you. <laughs> so that's you. that's my final get the fuck out of here, Wiener Schnitzel, with there. And you can t- you know what you, you can take your tamales uh, <laughs> that you have that you have on your seasonal holiday menu with you as well. 
the uh, to any vegetarians listening, I do encourage you to try Wiener Schnitzel. You like garbage food? <laughs> yeah. Get the veggie dog. It's going to be a veggie dog, but see if you like the tone and the vibe at the Wiener Schnitzel. It's a weird one. I wonder if there's someone who just likes the taste or the flavor of vegetarian things. It's like, yeah, I'll have a chili cheese dog with the veggie Frank. I don't know. I think everybody likes sodium. We can be covered in enough <laughs> other flavors like mustard and, and relish and the rest of it. Uh, yeah, it just tastes like delicious sodium and bread. It's awesome. <laughs> I, hope, I don't know. I've never had their veggie dogs. Maybe it's bad. The closest Wiener Schnitzel to me is in a uh, city called Everett. That's um, I live where I live in Seattle is um, makes that Wiener Schnitzel so um, unreasonably difficult to get to that I haven't had it since probably 2019 or 2018 was when I last would have eaten. Maybe late 2018 was the last time I went up to Everett and said, "Oh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have a Wiener Schnitzel today" because I go up there so rarely that. Um, it was just hard to get to that. It's and there's nothing convenient to me. So, sorry, yeah. I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't partake in that as much as I would like to. Sure, sure. There's one. It's not. It's not mega far. It's that's interesting. Is that I, I was much more willing to drive across town in El Paso because you had to. It's like, yeah. Oh, there's one on the east side. I'll just go to that one. Oh, 30, yep. 30 to forty five minutes later, here I am. <laughs> But here, I'm like, oh, it's two neighborhoods over. That's too far. But <laughs> I think what, what causes more <laughs> more uh, uh, frustration for me is that I frequently pass by one that used to be a wiener schnitzel. I'm like, oh, I know that A-frame. Mm-hmm. I know that, mm-hmm. you know, that. The Thai restaurant now, right. but uh, used to be. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, a, it's like a coffee bagel shop or whatever now. There's a it's like Pizza Huts, you know. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In El Paso, they're all Mexican restaurants. <laughs> yeah. The Taco Bell, there's Taco Bells out here. There's a couple of them that are uh, one's a Thai restaurant and one's um, just another. It's just a, a standard Mexican restaurant now, but they were clearly Taco Bells. I miss that sort of that unique architecture mm-hmm. chain restaurants, and I and to speak to to Pizza Hut without this being a fast food podcast, I'll just say <laughs> no, I we're miss... just free advertising so much. In this absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. This message brought to you by bad decisions. Um, the, I miss the pizzeria. I miss going to the pizza hut, sitting down yeah. and playing video games, getting a picture of, of whatever. Um, that doesn't really happen like it used to. That was Mm-mm. fun. Anyway. This is definitely the nostalgia podcast. Uh, before we get into our uh, our music segment, uh, as I mentioned before, you might have caught this on social media, uh, listeners, that we uh, are delving into something from 1992. And, and um, as I was sort of examining the different things, uh, different albums that came out in 1992, I was reminded of what what a um monumental year that actually was and just not just what we're talking about here on this podcast but just the you know the the rites of passage uh for i mean you know middle class privileged privileged middle class american news i mean you know you had that's when i got my car that's when i got my part-time job to pay for said car um 
and you know getting getting that car really opened up um lots of worlds um you know and and uh you know from it just i guess just going back and looking at all that reminded me of all the different you know things that we would do you know we would we would be in quinceañeras mm-hmm. and get those cars, that car decorated with the mm-hmm. ribbons and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I uh, you, you were, how many, do you remember how many you've been in? I mean, not just saying two, I mean, I can't, I can't even count how many I've been to, but how many quinceañeras were you yourself in? Uh, I was in two. Okay. Um, one was for, um, we'll drop the names and say uh, we uh, sister of somebody that we were actually both friends with. It wasn't even our friend. It was her sister. Uh, It was, it was Michelle. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, It was her sisters, I think. Or cousins or something. It was not hers because we were like 17 or 18 at that point. It was my senior year for that one. And then I was not in that one. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was another one a couple of years earlier that I was in, um, and uh, just two. I mean, but I was a white guy. Nobody was going to ask me to be in their quinceanera, um, <laughs> unless I was really good friends with apparently their sister or cousin. I guess they really yeah. needed somebody uh, to fill that gap in. I thought, well, that guy will do. At least he's you know funny. <laughs> well, if they went full on like you know like fifteen, that meant that there was fifteen couples. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's 30, 30 friends plus your Chambelan. That's mm-hmm. 31 people. You gotta be, you gotta be pretty popular. And when you start, you know, I don't know, like now, now, if I'm, if friends now, if you have to think of 30 friends and by the time you get to me <laughs> and I'm in that, depending on where I am in that group, but like, I don't know, I don't know what that says about. <laughs> about like our, our friendship <laughs> yep i'm with you i'm with you yeah quinceaneras that's something i i mean it's not that i forgot about them i just realized you know, my kids are never gonna they're, my kids are never gonna uh experience that never say never you can always crash one just go by one of the you know that's true take, take a trip to el paso and just find a <laughs> find a dance hall on a saturday night and i'll just say i'm I'm her uncle. I'm her uncle's friend. Yeah, that's what I'll say <laughs> from work. I'm her uncle's friend from work. They asked me to come in. Sorry, yeah. I, didn't the, I didn't get the actual invite. They just told me. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> I mean, you're not threatening. You're not. You're not a. You're not a ne'er do well with uh, visible tattoos or anything like that. Made a comment any, about this. Any kind of I'm just a white guy. Everybody. I don't think you recorded this one, but I can pretty much do whatever I want. I just walk in and people are like, oh, sure. It's just some friendly white guy. Let him in. Oh, yeah. He's funny. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I guess to kind of before, before we actually drop the album that we, uh, that we decided to revisit, I also realized that, you know, this was sort of my re-arrival into being a music fan, a music appreciator. Um, because you know, grow, growing up, I mean, kids, we listen to what what people make us listen to. So, right. uh, I grew up with an older brother, about eight years older than me, that was very much into, uh, um, like when he was in high school, was very much into like band, and and then when we got to college, he was into like the 
uh, jazz band, all that kind of stuff. So I grew up listening to a lot of, uh, a lot of different stuff. Um, yeah. you know, the basically the stuff he, he had me listen to, which was jazzy. So, you know, yeah. jazz, jazz fusion, big band, oh, yeah. uh, regular band stuff, classical, all kinds of shit. Um, but because 1992 started to become a lot more social, um, and I realized that I was kind of weird and a lot of my other friends listened to pop music and mm-hmm. stuff. I realized, Oh yeah, I, I still kind of like some of that, some of that stuff too. So, I mean, there was like uh there's like some Sade in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some other, other hip hop. Call me bad. Call me bad. Um, but I guess, uh, so what we, what we decided on, what we landed on in was 1992's, um, it, the title of the album is Get Your Goat by a band called Shudder to Think. And I've, I'm going to hand this off to you. So if you look them up, you'll see that they are described as a, as a Washington, D.C. Um, post-hardcore indie band. And I've tried to explain what that means and I've done a terrible job because a lot of, a lot of people I know, when I mention bands like, like Shudder to Think, I'm like, oh yeah, they're, they're that DC post-hardcore. They're like, what the fuck is that? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's regional. Like San Diego had its yeah. own, oh, yeah. you know, its own oh, yeah. music. So Rocket from the Crypt. I mean, you know, all the, all okay. those kinds of bands. And uh, so explain to our listeners what, what the genre uh, that or what sound that type of music is? Well, I'm so post hardcore. Yeah, but post hardcore because Shudder to Think was a post hardcore band. Um, they changed, um, and you can see glimpses of it, but they they never really fit the mold. Let's okay. Let me actually talk about post hardcore. Right, uh, punk rock really big in the seventies, it's building up. It starts to get angrier and a little less poppy and morphs into very regionally specific branches that were kind of lumped together as hardcore. So there's, you could talk about um, the California hardcore bands it sounds different than East Coast hardcore bands. And specifically New York hardcore bands have a much different vibe than you'll get from the Boston hardcore scene. And in DC, um, in the, I guess, mid eighties, um, a specific scene revolving around discord records, which was a hardcore record label. Um, they were releasing local hardcore punk rock bands and, um, things started to kind of change out there. And rather than just be about pure anger and disenfranchisement, rather than just be about sort of middle-class white angst, which is really what post-hardcore is about. They're angry about something, but we don't know what, so I'm going to pick an issue and just have a really negative opinion about it. It's kind of how hardcore sounded. And then the mid-80s comes around, and, you know, I'm not going to... I don't know... I'm not enough of a musicologist or a historian to be able to say that it was Rites of Spring, but I usually think of Rites of Spring as the first emo band, which is... Mm-hmm. the post-hardcore evolution of that specific music scene. So that's the derivation of that name. It's a hard, these are kids in a hardcore band that decided instead of 
just being angry about something. I'm also going to talk about other feelings that I have. Boy, I sound really reductive when I say that. And I hated the fact that I said it because it sounded pretty uh, cheesy. But that's essentially what it was. It was a it was a angry, disenfranchised middle class white kids that not exclusively because there were there were definitely from the D.C. area bands of color like Bad Brains. But they stuck mm-hmm. with the hardcore thing. They didn't really move into the the post hardcore, um, b- b- the proto emo. Post hardcore, I would call proto emo. Okay. Um, and Shudder to Think was the next evolution, the next generation of that proto emo. And um, so their first record was very, uh, Christ, was that 89 or 90? I don't remember. It's Voodoo or something. I can't remember the name of the record. Um, it definitely sounds more closely aligned with post-hardcore than the than uh, Get Your Goat does, because this was when um, they clearly were shifting away from that. There's a lot of elements of that post-hardcore sound in it, um, but there's so much glam that's thrown in it. This is two weeks in a row of falsetto singers for you and I. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So we, I, I noticed that too. I'm like, that's rushed that's to this. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That was the most, and that was the most fascinating thing about that record to me. It's the first record I heard from Shutter to Think. And I got that record because of, because of that minor threat record that I had found in my brother's like tossed aside records that I don't think he ever listened to. I think I remember it being sealed. Um, I was obsessed with discord records that DC mm-hmm. label. And and you were as well when mm-hmm. when we get into high school and it, I wanted everything that was on that label and not all of it was good, right? Not all of it sounded like everything else. Um, sure, there's a lots of like connective tissue between them. I mean, quite literally in terms of some of them have the same members. They're just trying music out in different ways. Um, Shutter Think was so wildly different, mm-hmm. um, so mathematical, well, and so feminine with masculine uh, yeah masculine but mathematical riff behind it it's loud and it's distorted and it's dissonant there's so much dissonance in the chords you just hear those notes that are so closely um situated next to each other just fighting with each other Mm -hmm. and, and creating those that dissonance that and then to have some somebody singing with such a beautiful falsetto voice, even though if you listen to his later records, his voice is even, it, it's certainly evolved and it's more beautiful now than it was then. He sounds young and, and it's, it's a beautiful, it, it was a great, it was a great thing for me to experience. I, when I heard that, I thought, this is the fucking weirdest music I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help that none of it makes any sense. None of the lyrics make any sense. Oh yeah. It's all, <clears throat> it's all gobbledygook. I mean, later mm-hmm. on, like you said, later on, <clears throat> especially some of his solo stuff is a little more, uh, you know, I think not, I would say like pop adjacent yeah, in the sense sure. of that he crafts songs. But so the, the lead singer um, is, is a man by the name Craig Wedgren. And uh, he's really gone on. I mean, talk about musical evolution, and not just after this band, but his solo stuff. He got into you know so many different types of things, but he's also become quite a notable um, film and TV score uh, mm-hmm. composer. 
And mm-hmm. so you probably remember, you probably heard his, uh, his work in, in a lot of like the David Wayne films, like mm-hmm. uh, role models. Uh, they came together. Um, probably the American most notable Summer. is uh, School of Rock. Yeah. Um, all of Reno 911. Yeah. With him. And, uh, oh God, there was something else that he did that I was. Glow. So he, was, he did Glow. That's um, it. Yeah, it was Glow. And the. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I heard all the kids are raving about Yellow Jackets. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it either. Yeah, but he's he's evidently behind that too. When I moved to Seattle and I was, you know, whatever I was then, lost. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I reached out to the other guitar player from Shudder to Think because Craig Wedron was so intimidating to me. But both of them have this really long history of of scoring films. And so I reached out to Nathan Larson. Okay. I just, fuck it. I went to his website, copied his email address and sent him an email and said, how do I do this? How do I get into that? And he was so fucking kind and so fucking generous with his time. And he gave me a really frank assessment of how hard that industry is and some really great tips as to how to do it, which is really just to go, I guess it's kind of to go back to a point I was making earlier about humans. Um, you have to make connections. You have to connect with mm-hmm. other human beings within that industry. And and Seattle had opportunities for that. And um, I got in my own way and nothing ever really materialized, though I tried for a while. Um, nothing materialized because I got in my own way. Um, and also nobody was interested in it. <laughs> that was also a crucial piece of that. But um, yeah, that's that's that was how important Shudder to Think, whether Nathan Larson was on Get Your Goat or not. Get Your Goat was the first record I heard from Shudder to Think. It completely blew my mind and it made me for however long it's been since I heard that. I heard that record in 92. Uh, mm-hmm. So I can't do math. Fuck it. However many years that is, Craig Wedron and that crew have had such an uh exaggerated i don't know place in my head it's almost in i not quite daily it's for a defunct band as defunct as shudder to think is i think about shudder to think and its players uh multiple times in the course over the course of a week without prompting without making an effort to do Mm -hmm. it it's just something that happens and um yeah this record was 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 huge for me so wildly different than everything else that was coming out on that label Mm -hmm. and so wildly different that was than what was coming out in popular music at the time oh yeah it's uh it's gonna you know it has a lot of those uh i guess a lot of the things that we liked about uh about quote unquote new music that we were discovering. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we covered Rush last time. So we're, we're into like that prog rock <laughs> musicianship, which just definitely had, I mean, I, yeah, I think oh, yeah. the first one that, that technically the first album that I heard of theirs was the live one, the, the your choice oh, um, yeah. live series, which uh, after doing a little bit of research, even though he wasn't on the, um, you're right, Nathan Larson joined, but he, I think he was the guitarist for the live. He was on set. that one, on that live, uh, on that live record. That was, yeah, that was the first recording he did with. Right. Shudder to think, I think. 
Um, so, you know, going back and hearing and hearing, you know, once I heard that, I'm like, oh, I got to, I did. So I worked backwards a little bit and then, um, you know, went, went full and into that, get your goat. I am so envious of you discovering the songs from get your goat from that record, because yeah. it, it sounds so much better than the actual studio record does. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I think that's an elephant in the room we might want to talk about. The guitars are so far back in the mix um, and they're really compressed and the drums are way too dry and way too forward. It doesn't, it, listening to it now, I'm forgiving of it because I love that record so much, but it's so weirdly recorded and, and mixed that when I, I put all, that, all those complaints aside and love that record. But when I heard the Lower Choice Live record, and heard what this sounded like um, with a different engineer behind it, right? mixing it and preparing it um, for the listener, I was even more in love. That record, that Your Choice Live record, oh man, that was, I listened to that more than I listened to Get Your Go for the same songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fucking, yeah, yeah incredible record. Um. It kind of uh yeah the 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 studio recording of of the get your goat songs it it even though it came out later but it kind of reminds me of like the the earlier sunny day real estate you know how totally. the you know the the mix it like absolutely said. i mean absolutely how, you know it's almost like that you know the guitars are are off stage and i i uh, bought myself a an xmas present um and i got some like you know high end uh sony earbuds yeah yeah and it really puts things it, it's it's different uh because it really puts the sound of things in in a field yeah a three-dimensional uh, thing yeah and um yeah there you go <laughs> here's me like um it sounds like the music's all around my face and but <laughs> what it does is uh, as as i'm re-listening to a lot of these bands that had you know uh like different different guitar like multiple guitar parts mm-hmm. um it really is starting to, i'm getting a new appreciation for you know just how how they compose it how they wrote that yeah. how they layered those those riffs uh because it still is you know they have those weird off time um mm-hmm. riffs but then also those really chunky mm-hmm. kind of things and what i remember mm-hmm. about this band is that we could just this was a crank this is definitely a crank it record even yeah. though it had some, you know, some, some valleys, some softer. Yeah. It has prettier things, but tamer parts, but no, it's a big record. Yeah. Um, the, the, your choice live one, I, relative to the studio record for get your goat and your choice live at set list is not entirely the get your goat record. Right. But right. I, that's for the listener, not for you. I clarify that with those folks um, listening to, to get your goat, it feels like there are five things happening that are recorded separately, mm-hmm. and then someone put them together. It doesn't feel uh, it does not feel organic. It feels compiled. But the Your Choice Live record reminds me of a drippy oil painting in how it sounds. There's even without the benefit of like hi-fi headphones, just sitting and listening to it immediately after listening to Get Your Goat, it feels like there's dimension in it. Even if you listened on shitty stereo, um, that drippy oil painting that there's movement between the 
uh, I'm not going to, never mind. I'm not going to go down my heavily descriptive route. I'm just going to say, no, it's great. Just like, just like sunny day real estate. That's the first band that I ever listened to and thought, wow, this feels like a drippy oil painting to me. I'm having a hard time seeing where the guitar and the bass are the different and the same. There's a, uh, a gray area between the two where they have morphed into like this third piece. There's this guitar, there's this bass, and they're interacting with each other in a way that's feeling like raised, blurred paint on a canvas. Mm-hmm. And that's what I got from that live record and these get your goat songs without, I forget who engineered and, and mixed probably Don Zintari, but they're Don, Don Zintara, whatever his name was, but it, um, he didn't do them any favors. And I think they would have garnered more fans with that record. If people had, if the people behind it had, um, had more money, I guess. It's probably mm-hmm. some money thing. Um, well, and that was their, uh, so that was their last record on Discord after, mm-hmm. I mean, they they put out the Your Choice live, <clears throat> but they they were then signed to Epic Records, their major mm-hmm. label, and that's uh, when they put out the Hit Liquor EP and then Pony Express record, um, which was, again, like more more pop adjacent Definitely. I mean, it's still, it's still, it's yeah, art. It's still, oh, it's it, fucking high art. It is. It, but yeah, there, it is so full of pop. It has so much that you can hear David Bowie in, yeah. uh, influence in it. You can hear Mick Jagger influence in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Buckley and them are kind of happening at the same time. But for those that aren't familiar with, uh, not Sunny Day, Jesus fucking Christ. Shudder to Think. Mm-hmm. Those that aren't familiar with Shudder to Think, Jeff Buckley of that era is probably a, it's in the ballpark of what you'd get from, but more poppy. So right. think of think of that um, Pony Express record as a high art attempt at Jeff Buckley glam. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then, uh, and then, you know, followed up with the uh, 50,000 BC, which was just like, you know, if like if if <laughs> if brunch if like Sunday Fun Day brunch was an indie rock band, it's it's, it's that yeah. fucking album. Like that, yeah. uh, and I remember you saw them. The, you saw them for that tour, right? I saw them for that tour I at, did at Emos, tour. and uh, and it was glorious. I mean, you yeah. know, like so so much. Um, um, Did they wear the shiny sparkly shirts? yeah shiny shiny sparkly uh you know all that and uh, just so much uh like stage flamboyant presence and so you think about you know what what makes uh for example a band like queen so iconic you know freddie mercury like just mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. presence that mm-hmm. insistence of mm-hmm. of this you know chiffon and uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, LeMay and Tefet, you know, all the, all huh? these other things like, you know, it it's, and then what you're hearing, what's going into your ears is just that representation of that, of yeah. these, of yeah. these fabrics flowing together. And it just, I remember I was standing like towards the back of the room and um, Nathan Larson has a, he, he has like a focal point that he always stares off into. And it was probably like the, the tree or whatever was right behind my head but you know that that first song 
you know, that comes on the, mm-hmm. you know, hush baby, turn around mm-hmm. and then they do that whole yeah. standing there and he's looking off in the distance as if he's looking right at me. Mm. That, I wish I had seen them play <laughs> on that tour. I saw them tour for um, Pony Express record. I saw that. That's a less glammy record. There's mm-hmm. less flamboyance in that. Oh, it's yeah. fucking, it's pretty fucking flamboyant, but it's not uh, 50,000 BC. Well, um, 50, 000... I would have loved to have seen that tour that you yeah. saw. That would have been fucking amazing. The second house, uh, the second house, the second song of 50,000 BC is a song called Red House, which is a, a, a redone version of a, was what record was it? Was that on 10 spot or was that on Funeral at the Movies? Oh, oh there was also a voodoo for 10 spot. I think it was yeah. on 10 spot. Okay. Anyway, it's it's an yeah. earlier song of theirs that's that's you know just redone with this production and this uh, yeah. thing and still and this still particular lineup. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Great stuff. So one thing that I forgot that we could actually do is uh, on uh, most of you from my analytics are listening to this on Apple Podcasts. But for those of you that are Spotify listeners, uh, we're we're not making money yet, uh, so we can add actual music uh from from spotify uh so if you listen on spotify you can actually we can put in songs in there so i thought it'd be a nice treat for spotify listeners to maybe put in a couple of uh of our favorite songs from this record so we uh we talked a little bit about our uh our record or one of our memorable records from 92 and so i uh if you follow us on social media, um, you probably saw the post where it was asking if you had anything uh, that you wanted to share that you remember about 1992. So uh, we have um, a friend of the podcast and also an actual friend, of course, because we're all actual friends that uh, that know both John and I from high school. Um, I think well, you all were in the same class, weren't you? Uh, yeah, we were. My album from 1992 is Wish from the Cure. It came out the spring of my freshman year in high school, and I think it was my friend Kathy that introduced me to it. She was the one that shared a lot of her music with me at the time and was tagging up my book covers with band names as well. Um, I did listen to that album quite a bit through high school, especially when it was closer to graduation or after graduation, friendships changing, relationships changing, things like that. I listened to it a lot when my my friend, one of my good friends and crushes, David, left for college. And so that was my go-to then and is still my go-to now whenever I'm feeling sad or going through shit. Um, the most well-known song of that album is Friday I'm in Love, but my favorite is From the Edge of the Deep Green Sea. It's lovely to hear Julie's voice. I have not seen in a while, or huh? talked to Julie in decades. Hi, Julie. Lovely to see you. If you don't put this in the podcast, tell her I said hello. I, I will. Uh, it's something that just sort of maybe chuckle was nothing. Well, it, it was content wise, but she mentioned book covers. And, you know, that's that's a good that's a good uh, description for how many years old we are, like, you know, book covers and maybe uh-huh. more El Paso specific Whataburger book covers. Whataburger book covers. I'll <laughs> never forget them. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, they would provide free uh, promotional book covers and 
and uh you know they usually had a coupon for like a free whataburger junior or something mm-hmm. on them and plenty um, of space for metallica uh, well yeah because once we got you know once we weren't in elementary school anymore in middle school and high school we didn't you didn't actually put the the advertising on and you flipped it over so Flip you it over the blank the blank Draw canvas there <laughs> uh no yeah so thank you for sharing that julie and uh, uh you know i i was into the cure i i i didn't really get into them until a little bit later um and just the you know probably not much deeper than you know like their their quote-unquote hits i i do remember um well i mean just like heaven's all over the place now but i remember that reminding me of of uh like weekend nights in juarez that's mm-hmm. some of the that's some of the places la playa no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll never forget la playa uh the cure is a it's not exactly a blind spot because i think i have to be an absolute hermit if i hadn't heard the cure the cure never did anything for me it it felt like something that wasn't meant for me so i never really Mm -hmm. dived into it uh my wife mouse the mouse master general that's what we'll call her on this mouse master general uh loves the cure um and quite frankly all the girls that i had crushes on all loved the cure i just I think I said it earlier, I got in my own way on something. This is me, like mm-hmm. completely getting in my own way and saying, I don't want to listen to The Cure, even though this would broaden my horizons or at least my social horizons. Right. It was one of those things that I just like, oh, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm going to be angry and weird about it and just not bother getting into it. They're incredibly talented. And this record now, I've heard it a billion times. Uh, I've heard Wish a billion times because the Mouse Master General will listen to it even mm-hmm. to this day. Not all the time, but it comes on, and it really is beautiful. There's a lot of chorus on that guitar, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know th- those are like little nitpicky things about the Cure that I wasn't into, and that kind of um, that era, well, pretty much all sort of glammy goth. There's yeah. lots of chorus and lots of um, it's very crystalline, very um, crystally. Like everything sounds very crisp, mm-hmm. and um, now I appreciate it. Back then I didn't. Um, I'm going to thank you for the recommendation, Julie. I'm going to make a point of putting on really good headphones and uh, and listening to, to Wish today. Yeah. Maybe yeah, that'll be a fantastic. fun project for me in the, in the interim. Uh, that'll be a fun project for me trying to genuinely listen to something that I, uh, fully invest in it, something that I hated for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> this will be the john lloyd personal growth moment we'll see if right. i can learn to love wish like julie does that's excellent it's that that's that's our uh that's our call to action so uh all you other folks that want to join us uh straight edge or otherwise um yeah please please mm-hmm. join us and feel free to share your comments also with that um we we i think we post the link to the voicemail but you can always just send us a direct message on social media um or you know i don't think i have contact information otherwise i'd put my pager number up there and you can just (laughs) just get a hold of me that way too my home address and my daily (laughs) schedule will be posted so you can just (laughs) uh, make me fear for my life (laughs) 
Well, right. Because <laughs> I don't have enough things that I'm afraid of right now. Um, on that note, uh, we thank you for joining us for um, another episode of Fairweather Friends. Um, John, smile, as always, smile at your smile at your neighbors and say good morning. Yes. Let's see if we can. Let's see if we can all. Kindness goes a long way to getting society together. Yeah, and just sometimes just getting what you want. You know, it's a lot easier. You'd be surprised at how easier it is for people to give you things, uh, goods and or services, if you're kind to them. Because mm -hmm. especially now, they're working in a place where a lot of people aren't. Mm -hmm. kind to them so yeah uh you know be good to to those workers tip your servers and bartenders and uh we will catch you next time who knows who knows what year or what topic we'll be we'll be getting into but uh sure it'll bring up a lot of fun memories right we'll do the wiener schnitzel podcast next week. <laughs> 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 songs to songs to eat a mini corn dog too Songs to have a wiener dude attitude to. <laughs> There's a playlist. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Fairweather Friends. Don't forget to click subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Feel free to connect with us by leaving us a voice message at anchor.fm slash fairweatherfriends. Also, you can connect with us on social media.